ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us on this blessed Sunday morning. Hey, Miss Judy, take your meds this morning, please. Thank you. 859-381-1313 if you'd like to call in and join on the conversation. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter and chime in anytime there, at Bottom Line Lex. On today's show, well, we don't have a Kentucky win or loss to react to this morning, but the official Bottom Line SEC Tournament Countdown is now down to 38 days. Sponsorship still available. We will preview the week to come in college basketball, and we will start our Bracketology 101 class. Yes, class begins later on. Don't be tardy. What is Bracketology 101? We are the home of the NCAA tournament here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. Wall-to-wall, to gavel coverage. Every single game can be heard of these airwaves, including any University of Kentucky game in the tournament. Insert joke here. So to get you ready, we'll have a little, a few little tips the next few weeks leading up to the tournament so you can finally collect from your man or win your office bracket pool that you've been losing for years to Marge from accounting, who can't tell a basketball from a pumpkin. We had a huge trade in the NFL last night, which to us was very one-sided short-term. And we will jump on a few early thoughts regarding the Super Bowl next week. And, of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks coming off yet another successful week. All this and much, much more coming up on today's edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio show. But first... Conspiracy theories. Man, I love a good conspiracy theory. Oh, I, I'll eat those up and I'll spit them out anytime. Anytime you bring them up to your friends, you get all kinds of curios, curiosity and looks and, and laughs. People laugh at you. Some people think you're really on to something. Some people think you're just on something, if you know what I mean. But I'm going to list three names for you. Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali. What do those three guys have in common? All three are considered the best to ever play their sports. The GOAT has become a part of the lexicon in recent years. We used to refer to a GOAT as someone who ruined a sure win for the team. Not the greatest of all time. GOATs from the past, not the greatest of all time, but what we used to refer to as GOATs, like Bill Buckner letting a ground ball go through his legs in 1986. And the fan at Wrigley Field, Steve Bartman, interfering in a pop-up to ruin the Cubs' chances of winning the World Series of 2003. Those are considered goats, people to blame for your defeats. By the way, quick aside, Steve Bartman, the guy who tried to catch that foul ball at Wrigley Field, best disappearing act in the history of mankind. The media has offered him bajillions of dollars to do an interview. He's turned every single one of them down for 18 years now. Last time anybody saw him, was that night 18 years ago. If you walk past it right now, even if you were walking the streets of Chicago looking for him, you wouldn't know if he walked right past you. Talk about goats. Bartman has the best disappearing act ever. He is better than an FBI witness protection program. They couldn't do a better job, but I digress. So the goat is now considered the greatest of all time. Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali. They're all the goats of their respective sports, allegedly. So why are they important today? Because all three were involved in big-time conspiracy theories. And who doesn't love a good conspiracy theory? 
I do. Most sports fans have several of them. Some of them warranted. Some of them just plain, simple, crazy talk. But even the greatest of all time sometimes have had to overcome controversy. Tom Brady had not just one, but two major controversies in his days at New England. How do we know they were major controversies? Because they ended in gate. Anything ending in gate has to be a conspiracy, right? Spy gate in 2007 when the Patriots were videotaping the Jets' defensive coaches, allegedly. Of course, the NFL punished the Patriots and then conveniently destroyed the evidence. Huh. Deflate gate in 2015 when Tom Brady allegedly requested the footballs be deflated below regulation so he could throw them better. And of course, when the NFL started their investigation, Tom Brady just happened to conveniently destroy his cell phone that had damaging evidence on it. And he was suspended four games the next season. And of course, there's other conspiracies about Brady that the Falcons Super Bowl when they were down 28-3 was allegedly fixed. That Brady had a concussion during the 2016 playoffs and it wasn't reported so that he didn't have to sit out a week due to protocol. All kinds of stuff out there. Michael Jordan, the retirement gambling conspiracy. Who, on top of their game at 30 years old, coming off three straight championships, would retire because he, quote-unquote as he put it, lost his desire to play basketball? Uh Uh-huh. Or did he just get busted for gambling and needed to sit out for a little while? Jordan's father was murdered three months prior to that retirement for questionable reasons. And a book had just been written about him that just was released where a businessman admitting winning over a million and a half dollars from him on the golf course, including evidence of a $57,000 check written to him by Jordan himself. By the way, if you have debts to questionable characters... And if you have debts in the investing world, don't write a check. Sheesh. Pay with cash money. Of course, in 1993, when Jordan retired, the NBA was investigating, using that term loosely, his gambling habits. But this hard-hitting investigation was mysteriously dropped after Jordan's shocking retirement in 1993. Huh. Of course, this was all addressed during the last dance documentary last year that everybody watched because we had just gotten put on uh, quarantine for the COVID virus, and that's the only thing anybody had to watch. But keep in mind that Michael Jordan had 100% creative control over what went out of that documentary. In other words, Jordan, if he wanted you to know something, you knew it. If he didn't want you to know something, you didn't know it. David Stern, the commissioner at the time, he's no longer with us. And Jordan will never admit to anything. So we really never will know what actually happened there. Even the late Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, as he claimed it himself. He had just won the heavyweight championship from Sonny Liston, a fight that had controversy on its own because Liston allegedly put stuff on his gloves so that Ali couldn't see for a few rounds and Ali was running around like a crazy guy. That eventually wore off and Ali won the fight. But many say the rematch was fixed Even leading up to the fight, Sonny Liston was arrested for his involvement in organized crime. And so many people didn't want any part of that fight that it was moved to Lewiston, Maine. Yeah, forget about Las Vegas. Let's go to Maine to have a big professional fight. There you go. There's a sports mecca up there. 
And that fight then lived up to its billing when Liston went down in the first round with what was described as everyone as a phantom punch. A punch which led to the one of the most iconic pictures in history when Ali is standing over Liston, flexing his arm and yelling at Liston to get up because nobody's going to believe that he got knocked out from just a little jab that he threw. And then, of course, with Ali, may God bless his soul, there's several fights in the mid to late 70s where Ali just got beaten up for 15 rounds, but somehow eked out decisions simply because Ali was the champ and it meant more money for everyone involved. Sadly, Ali paid for those fights from the mid to late 70s later in his life, but that's another story. Now, I'm not talking about conspiracy theories where the world is flat or the moon landing is taped in Hollywood or anything like that. In sports, we love conspiracy theories. Perhaps the most famous one, the Patrick Ewing frozen envelope. In 1985. That was a good one. The 2002 Western Conference Finals between Sacramento and the Lakers. Go watch Game 6 of that series on YouTube. Tell me what you think. The Super Bowl where the lights went out and the Ravens were winning big. And that delay helped the 49ers make a comeback. All those have been discussed over the years. Personally, I have two conspiracy theories in sports. And in the real world. That I will take to the grave. 1991, UNLV lost to Duke. In the Final Four. After beating them by 30 in the National Championship the previous season. Here sits UNLV, undefeated on the season. Being compared to all the greatest teams of all time. And they lose to Duke. Soon after this loss, a picture comes out. Several UNLV players sitting in a hot tub with a convicted felon with the nickname The Fixer. Yes, his nickname was The Fixer. And he had already done prison time for, you guessed it, fixing college basketball games in the past. By the way, that Duke-UNLV game in 91, Greg Anthony fouled out of that game very early. And he had never fouled out of a game in his career. And where do the fixers go after? Who do they go after if they're trying to fix a game? They don't go after the superstar score. They go after the point guard. Hmm. Greg Anthony was the point guard, wasn't he? And UNLV actually had a chance to win at the end of that Duke game. And Larry Johnson just passed up an open three-pointer with about five seconds left. Didn't shoot it. Nothing at all. Reports were after that game, Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogman, the stars of that team, they were seen rolling dice at a craps table three hours after the game ended in Atlantic City. Wait a minute. Why would you be playing craps in Atlantic City when you live in Las Vegas? By the way, you ever see a point spread in a basketball game drop three points in one day? especially when it goes against an undefeated team, you don't see it, ever. And that point, str- that point spread that day dropped from 9.5 UNLV favored to 6.5. Uh-huh. Oh, by the way, sports betting was only legal in 1991 in Las Vegas. And you're telling me the locals wouldn't support their own team out there and let that point spread drop three points in one day? Uh-huh. There's also a buzz that UNLV was going to boycott that game due to the way they'd been treated by the NCAA after, because UNLV had been put on probation going into that season. After Larry Johnson and Stacey Ogman had declared they were coming back to UNLV for their senior seasons. And after raising King and threatening lawsuits, the NCAA decided to delay UNLV's probation until after the 1991 season. Interesting how that worked out, huh? So that's my favorite sports conspiracy theory that's never discussed. Lots of unanswered questions there. I even have one in the non-sports world right now. It's in game shows, of course. I take care of my mom sometimes, and when we're together, 
at 7 o'clock on the weeknights, you know what we watch? We watch Wheel of Fortune. But I started noticing something on Wheel of Fortune. When time is running out, they do something called the final spin. Pat Sajak spins the wheel, and whatever it lands on is the value of each letter going forward with 1,000 added. My thing is, Pat Sajak's been hosting that show for 38 years. 38 years! You don't think he sits around spinning that wheel for slaps and tickles between show tapings? Just to prove to people he can hit the $5,000 spot whenever he wants? Hey, stagehand, watch this. I can hit 5000 Boom. You don't think he does that? Uh-huh. Of course he does. So when he prepares for this final spin, you see Sajak. He looks around that wheel. He looks to see where that 5000 is. But invariably, he hits the 500 or the 550, the lowest denominations on the wheel. It's amazing. He actually hit 900 on Friday night, and I almost had a panic attack. I couldn't believe it. Keep in mind, Pat Sajak, best job in America. He makes $15 million and works 35 days a year. Look it up, folks. Seriously. $15 million, 35 days. I did the math for you. He makes over $428,000 per day. Best job in America. Name a job better than that one. Say Jack could hit 5000 anytime he wants to on that wheel, and he never comes close. Check it out next time, I'm just saying. But Say Jack has the best job in America. I digress. What does all this have to do about sports? What are you talking about? Transfer that to Friday afternoon when the the news came out that Kentucky had canceled their game against Texas due to COVID concerns. Were they being cautious and putting players first for their health reasons? Eh, Probably. But was there there a bit of relief knowing that the fifth-ranked team in America wasn't coming to town? Eh, Maybe. Texas and Kentucky had two common opponents this season, North Carolina and Kansas. Kentucky lost to both of those teams. Texas defeated both of those teams, including beating Kansas in Kansas by 25 points. If they won at Kansas by 25, how many could they beat Kentucky by? But the the conspiracy theorist in me had to ask, as soon as I heard that news Friday, was this cancellation really 100% COVID-related? Has anyone on the team actually tested positive? Or was it just a little bit of John Calipari not wanting another home loss added to his ledger? Does that make me a bad guy for saying that out loud? Eh, does it? Or am I just living up to my reputation as the outsider heel of Lexington Radio, just trying to be the troll of the hometown fans because I can't? No, no, not this time. Was Kentucky going to win this game? Well, they had a chance. Not a good one, but they had a chance. Ken Pomeroy had Texas winning by four. The odds had not come out for this game yet when it was canceled, so we don't know what the desert had to say about it. And Texas was still playing, although their coach, Shaka Smart, had already been diagnosed with the COVID earlier in the week. He was diagnosed on Monday. His team played on Wednesday night. And Kentucky will point to conference protocols being different in the SEC and then in the Big 12. But despite a 48-hour lockdown, it appears Kentucky will now play their SEC games this week. I'm not saying anybody's lying here, but the facts make it appear a little bit shaky, doesn't it? If Kentucky had lost to Texas, they'd be 5-11. But there's no coming back from 5-11. Heck, there's no coming back from their current record, 5-10. Jay Billis of ESPN came out on Saturday 
and said that the cancellation of the Texas game just cost Kentucky its only chance of making the NCAA tournament. Only chance? Does Billis know something that we don't about the NCAA, about the SEC tournament that we've been promoting for weeks on this show as the only ticket Kentucky has to make it? But here's what Billis had to say about the whole situation with Kentucky canceling against Texas. It was not just a make or break. It was their only chance. And Billis went on. Then they'd have to make to have some high-value targets and beat those teams as well. But they've got a lot of teams that aren't that highly rated coming up on their schedule. It was a long shot no matter what. But losing this opportunity hurts. It's better than playing a game than losing it, but it's not much better. Aha! Did you hear that? It's better than playing a game and losing it. And the numbers said they were going to lose it. So was Calipari just dodging Texas? Or was he just trying to keep the health of his players in order? Duke threw out most of their preseason schedule, and it looks like now they're going to make the NCAA tournament with a record just over 500. Last week, Joe Lenardi had Kentucky 88th on his list of tournament teams, and that's 20 short of making it. A win over Texas would have helped tremendously, but I don't care who you are. A 5-10 record is not close to making any tournament. You have to wonder now, if Kentucky doesn't make the NCAA tournament, would they accept a bid to a fringe tournament like the NIT, the CIT, the CBI? I don't even know the name of some of these tournaments they have now. Whatever they play just to make a couple of dollars in the postseason. I doubt Kentucky would accept it, but that's just me. Because why would Calipari want to play those games? Kentucky only has three games remaining now against ranked opponents, and two of them are coming up this week. Ken Pomeroy now has Kentucky projected to a 10-14 and finish, 9-8 and in the SEC. After this week, the schedule eases up a little bit, but let's say they do run the table by some miracle. They'd finish 14-10. and How many 14-10 and teams make the tournament as an at-large team, even in a pandemic? Uh Uh-huh. It's SEC tournament or bust. Period. But let's look at the big picture. What does the desert think about Kentucky right now? They're 100-1 to to win the national championship out in the desert. 12-1 to to win the NCAA tournament. It's another blue blood team in desperate need of a transfusion. So hold off making the donation to our friends in the desert by putting your hard-earned money on Kentucky. The priority, if you're going to take the SEC tournament, look at Alabama. They're still at about 5-1 to one the end to win the conference tournament. But those Bama odds are going to get worse before they get better. Let the public betters be intrigued by that 12-1 to one UK SEC tournament number because they're high on pedigree and low on cohesion. In other words, anything on Kentucky's future right now is nothing more than being a delusional homer. And that's the bottom line. But let's look ahead and try to handicap Kentucky's games for this week if they're actually played, but it appears they will be. Kentucky travels to number 12, Missouri, on on Tuesday night. Is Missouri for real? Well, they're number 12 in the AP poll, but are they a fraud? They're ranked 38 in the Ken Pomeroy ratings. Missouri, 11-3 on the season, 8-6 against the spread out in the desert. Missouri's three losses have all been decent losses at Mississippi State, at Auburn, and then home to Tennessee, but they got revenge by going to Tennessee and defeating the Vols. 
Missouri also has two other impressive wins over Illinois and Oregon, two tournament teams. Quanto Martin is a Missouri coach. Controversy seems to follow him anywhere he goes. In his three previous coaching stops, he never stayed more than three years. Was he running from something, from someone? The NCAA? Who knows? But this is his fourth year at Missouri. And in his days at Missouri, Quanzo Martin at home is 28-20 against the spread. That's 58-3. When he's a home conference favorite in the SEC, 10-9 against the spread, including 1-0 this year. And yes, Missouri will be favored to beat Kentucky in this game. Quanzo Martin in Missouri was a two-and-a-half point favorite over Kentucky three years ago in Missouri. And Missouri won that one by nine. And we've covered Calipari's road woes in the SEC as a road underdog. He's 7-14 and 14 against the spread in that spot, including 1-2 and two this year. Ken Pomeroy says Missouri wins this game 69-65. If Kentucky's getting more than a possession in this game, they might be worth a look. Otherwise, it's tough to go against Missouri in this one based on numbers and trends. And then next Saturday, if they're still playing, Kentucky travels here to Lexington to face Kentucky. The Vols ranked 18th, coming off a win over Kansas, something Kentucky couldn't accomplish. Kentucky number 18 in the AP poll, number 13 in the Ken Pomeroy ratings. So they're just the opposite of Missouri. They might be actually better than their AP poll placement. Tennessee at 12-3 and on the season, 9-6 and against the spread. But good old Rick Barnes, boy, does he burn tickets and brackets in March. We'll save that for March. But Barnes in his day at Tennessee, 11-11 and against the spread as an SEC road favorite. And we see Tennessee as a small road favorite in this game. In all SEC road games at Tennessee, Rick Barnes, 22-26 and against the spread. So he is not making you a profit there. But it's rare to see Calipari as a home dog in the SEC because it's only happened once, and that was in 2013. Kentucky was a five-and-a-half-point dog to Florida then. Calipari actually covered that game. They only lost by four that that day. But that was one game eight years ago. In all SEC home games, Calipari, literally a coin flip against the spread, 49-49-1. So he doesn't make you a profit either. Ken Pomeroy says Tennessee wins this game 62-60. to If I see Calipari as an underdog at home, I'm not going to go against him. I don't think I can. But history tells us anytime Calipari is an underdog Kentucky, he's great the postseason, 6-0-1 against the spread, but a coin flip in the regular season, 19-20-2 against the spread. But as much as I like, as I don't like investing in Calipari in some of these spots, Rick Barnes is even worse. Kentucky might, just might, be a play next Saturday as a road dog. But Kentucky needs to win both these games this week to even think about having a shot at the tournament. We don't think they will. In fact, they'll be lucky to win one of the two. But if they do win them both and somehow make the NCAA tournament, they'll always have this week's conspiracy theory of dodging Texas to thank for their comeback. A conspiracy theory that will have legs for decades to come because people like me won't let you forget about them. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor coming up after the break, the rest of the world of college basketball. But first, Whitetail Heaven Outfitters Outdoor Superstore. They were opened on Black Friday to raving reviews. They had a huge Christmas sale, but now they're overstocked. So if you've got a fisherman or a hunter in your life, 
You need to get to the Whitetail Heaven Outfitters Outdoor Superstore right now because all their overstocked uh, merchandise is on sale. Any hunter and fisherman, make sure to check them out. They are three miles south of Fayette Mall. That's Whitetail Heaven Outfitters Outdoor Superstore, three miles south of Fayette Mall. Make sure to tell them the bottom line sets you. More college basketball coming up right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Boy, if that one doesn't get you fired up, the pilot light is out. Old school Van Halen. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. Bottom line with Brad Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us on this blessed Sunday morning. Hey, how hard is it to pick these games, these college basketball games out in the desert? Gonzaga, 17-0, best record in America. Nobody better. So I just bet on them every night, right? I'll be fine. You know, they must be killing it out in the desert against the spread. No, they're not. Gonzaga, now 17-0, 8-9 against the point spread this year. Yeah, 8-9 against the point spread. Where Baylor, who's the second, they're right there with Gonzaga, number 1-2, or 1-1-A one one this year. Gonzaga's sitting at 16-0, but they're 12-4. and four. Against the point spread this year. So is Baylor having the better year? Well, out in the desert, they most certainly are. Who's the better team? Eh, we'll find that out in March. But as we're on the topic of best teams in America, best team in America against the spread? Drake is 13-0. and So if you bet on Drake every game, you've never lost all season long. That can't last forever. That kickback is going to be... It's kind of like these stocks we had this week. You know these uh, the game the game stops and the uh, AMCs and all those guys, yeah. You've missed the boat. Yeah, once every once the public has it, yeah, you're too late. Get in on it now. Well, you're fighting for it, but you might make some profit. But you're too late. You got in at the wrong time, Drake. Yeah, you're going to be at the wrong time. Best Power Five team in America against the spread, Michigan, eleven and three. Best SEC team in America against the spread, Alabama, eleven six and one. Oh, but there's bad teams too. Eastern Illinois is the worst team in America. Three and fifteen against the spread. Yeah, go go find them. Worst power five team? Kansas State, three and thirteen, but the second worst power five team against the spread in America. No, it's not Kentucky. It's Michigan State. They're three and ten. It's amazing. Worst SEC team? No, it's not Kentucky. It's Texas AM. But all the blue bloods. None of them are playing well this year. Look at Duke. They're sitting at 7-5 and five on the season. 26 of the Ken Palm ratings. They're 50-1 to one to win the national championship. About 6-1 to one to win the ACC. Let the public have fun buying Duke at that 50-1 to one price. You look elsewhere because they've Duke has made more noise off the court this year than they have on the court, especially with uh, COVID issues. Uh, Coach K chastising a poor kid who was just asking a question last week. Neither here nor there. North Carolina, another blue blood. They're 11 and 5, 35th of the Ken Palm ratings. They're also 50 to 1 to win the national championship, 5 to 1 to win the ACC. Yeah, they're just like Duke in a lot of ways, but at least they've actually played some non conference games. Teams like Virginia and Clemson, maybe, they're actually teams that look more, and Virginia Tech, excuse me, they're teams that look more in this ACC tournament more than North Carolina and Duke because you're getting value, and we don't know how good Duke and North Carolina is this year. Kansas, they're 50-1 to to win the national championship, too. All these blue bloods, no chances. They're 11-6, Kansas is. They lost to Tennessee last night. They're 21st in the Ken Palm ratings. You have to wonder, when does Kansas get to play Duke again? Because, or excuse me, get to play Baylor again? 
because Baylor is the number two team in the country. We don't think Kansas can beat them anytime, but, you know, the old eye test will give Kansas the uh, benefit of the doubt. But Bill Self, he and his toupee, uh, you, they always win the Big 12 tournament for somehow, some way, or the Big 12 regular season, so don't count them out, mainly because people get freaked out in the Midwest by seeing Kansas. Another team, UCLA, another 50-1 to team to win the national championship, but they're only 2-1 to to win the Pac-12. That might be one you want to look at. Oregon is the favorite out there right now, but we don't know how good Oregon is. We know how good their coach is, Dana Altman, great coach. But Oregon has been on the uh, the COVID bandwagon for the last couple weeks. So, yeah, maybe today is the time to get on UCLA, 13-3, 34th in the Ken Palm ratings. So all the Blue Bloods this year, all of them, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, UCLA, all struggling this year. Now, we, everybody has theories. It's the COVID. It's the season big, shorter, and whatever. Yeah, but it's no coincidence that Kentucky, UCLA, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke all struggling this year, while the unknowns, the not uh, usual teams at the top, Gonzaga, Baylor, teams like that, dominating. But in this spot, we're going to look at our unranked traps. It's America's fastest-growing game show sensation. Why? We were 4-0 in this spot last week. And the pick is the uh, we're picking lower-ranked or unranked teams against higher-ranked and big boys of the world. Last week, we went four out of four. We had West Virginia over Texas Tech. We had Illinois over number four, Iowa. We had unranked Duke over Clemson. We said they would be favored, and they were, and just tell you to lay the points, and they won that game huge. And we had unranked Purdue over number 17, Minnesota, last night. 4-0 last week. So we're, like we say, if you like cashing tickets, stay tuned. If you like being a loser, just ignore us, because it's tough. it's tough making you people money all the time. But follow these teams this week, and you'll do quite well. Number 25, Louisville, will travel to unranked Syracuse on Wednesday night. We'll look for Syracuse to win this game. Now on Thursday night, number 21, Minnesota, travels to unranked Rutgers. Of course, Rutgers is unranked, but they were ranked earlier this season. I don't know how. But Rutgers will take down little Richie Petito on Thursday. Saturday, we have two for you. We have Illinois. Over Wisconsin, number 14 in America. Illinois will win this game. Illinois might be favored here. Just go ahead and lay the points with Illinois. And we just mentioned them. Number 23, UCLA, will play unranked USC. Give us USC in this one. Give us the Trojans. Those are your unranked traps for the week. Syracuse over Louisville. Rutgers over Minnesota. Illinois over Wisconsin. USC over UCLA. Take those four games. And uh, you won't be sorry. You take those bad boys to the desert and smoke them. And now it's time for our Bracketology 101 class. Leading up to the NCAA tournament, how do you fill out your brackets? How do you? What's little tricks you could use? What are things that you could just say, oh, okay. Now I'm, I can, whether you're Johnny Seven trying to cash tickets out in the desert or you're Marge from Accounting trying to win your $2 office pool, doesn't matter. We're going to help you make a profit this March on the NCAA tournament. And, you, of course, you can listen to every game live here on ESPN Radio 1392.5. Even the ones Kentucky might be playing in. Please hold back your laughter. Okay, 35 years of the NCAA tournament. And the tournament has always had this 1 versus 16 uh, format. And, uh, you know, going back and forth. But sometimes you see the lower seeds favored over the higher seeds. In other words, when the last 15 years, it seems very simple. But it's it it runs out year after year. Last fifteen years, if you see a ten, an eleven, or a twelve seed, 
They have been favored in the first round 26 times. That's almost two times a year that a 10, 11, or 12 seed will be favored in the first round over a much better seed. When you see that, the lower-seeded team that's favored, they win the game 73% of the time. That's 19-7. and That's very good when you have a 10, 11, or 12 winning 73% of the time. And those teams are 17-9 and against the spread out in the desert. That's 65%. So when all the talking heads like the Greg Gumbles of the world... By the way, will someone put us out of our misery and replace Greg Gumbel on the NCAA tournament coverage? Please go away. Anyway... The talking heads will be shouting from the mountaintops, oh, what a huge upset it was when that 11 beat the 6. No, it wasn't. Because in the desert, our friends out of the desert just shake their heads because it wasn't really an upset. It's a simple concept, but you'd be shocked how many times people just go straight by the seeds in games like that when picking their brackets or picking it against the spread because the, the squares walk into the sports book out in Las Vegas. Hey, I've got the 6 over the 11 seed. The 6 seed's an underdog. Well, look at all the value I'm getting. No, you're not getting value. Believe me, the odds makers out in the desert, they don't make mistakes. They might, You might think they do, but they don't. So, yes, that's the desert telling you who the better team is. When you see the 12 favorite over the 5, and it happens, that's the desert telling you who the better team is. And don't go against the desert, especially when picking your brackets. And in a spot like that, take up against the spread, too. So it may only be January 31st, but it's never too early to get ready for the NCAA tournament. Our first tip, look at the 10, 11, and 12 seeds out in the desert. If any of them are favored, take them, both in your brackets and against the spread. That's your tip for today. That's the bottom line. Coming up after the break, the Super Bowl is set, and we have a huge quarterback trade and the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks. But first, one of my favorite days of the year, February 15th. Why? Valentine's Day is over. But if you have to get something for your significant other, and knowing a lot of men out there, you have to, or else you're in the doghouse for a long time, make sure to check out our friends at St. John & Myers Jewelry. They're the best in the business, offering high-class jewelry in Central Kentucky. Lewis and the staff out there at St. John & Myers, the perfect place to get your significant other what he or she deserves is Valentine's Day. They're located at 198 Moore Drive, and if you go to their website, stjohnandmyers.com, that's spelled stjohnandmyers.com, they're offering a special Valentine's Day promotion. Make sure you tell them you heard it on the bottom line. That's stjohnandmyers.com for their big Valentine's Day giveaway. Make sure to tell them the bottom line sent you. Big bucks, no wabbies. After the break, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 at 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. It must be Van Halen Day. Sean C. must have had uh, Van Halen in his mind today. I feel like I'm watching the 1984 Cubs take the field. Oh, not many people will understand that reference, but a few will. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Thank you so much for joining us on this blessed Sunday morning. Hey, big trade in the NFL last night. Matthew Stafford goes to the Rams for Jared Goff, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and uh, who knows what else. Total panic move of desperation by the Lions and the Rams, if you ask me, who don't seem, the Rams don't even seem to care about having first-round picks in the NFL draft going forward. The last first-rounder they had was Jared Goff in 2016, and the next one they will have, barring a trade, is in 2024. The Rams totally gave up on Goff, the former number one overall pick, and a guy who led them to the Super Bowl just two years ago. So what happened in such a short period of time? From Super Bowl quarterback to now traded 
for a bag of magic beans. It was obvious his coach, Sean McVay, was sick of this guy. He just wanted to move on. And he got his wish. And he found a sucker team that was willing to take on that contract of Goff's, making over $100 million starting last year, which is outrageous considering, you know, he's not a very good quarterback. Jared Goff uh, ranked 22nd in the pro football focus ratings uh, as quarterback this year. Matthew Stafford, though, was 14th. And all he had to do was just go to his ownership and say, hey, I went out of Detroit. And Detroit says, okay, we'll trade you for a worse quarterback who's making more money. There you go. That's why the Detroit Lions have never made the Super Bowl. And we're playing, what, the 55th one this year, I think? Super Bowl 55? They've never made the Super Bowl. They've made they've won one playoff game in 55 years. Yeah, that should tell you something about that franchise right there. Yeah, people are saying Matthew Stafford, who's 16th overall in career passing yards in the NFL. Oh, he's a future Hall of Famer. Don't get started on that stuff. Then we're going to get into that Eli Manning, uh, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan debates. Don't even think about going there today. But yeah, how many Matthew Stafford games in Detroit have you watched in the last, oh, I don't know, 10 years? Unless you're a fantasy football owner of Calvin Johnson from the back, the back of the day and you needed him to produce for your Week 16 championship game, yeah, the Lions have been irrelevant since that playoff win in 1991. Only one team in the NFL has a playoff game win drought longer than the Lions. Yeah, it's the Bengals who haven't won a playoff game since 1990. Short-term winner? Yeah, it's the Rams. They get the better quarterback of the deal. Long-term... You have to think maybe it could be the Lions because they get all those draft picks. But we have seen, history tells us, what Detroit does with draft picks, and it's never a good thing. So, yeah, the Rams probably win this deal unless the Lions get, you know, I don't know, the equivalent of Bo Jackson in their draft picks. But, of course, the Lions will find some way to screw that up. But who cares about that trade going forward? That's next season. We're still on this season, the Super Bowl, set and ready for next week. Tampa Bay will be hosting the game against Kansas City. I'm not sure why we still have this bye week in between weeks of the Super Bowl and the championship games. It's archaic and old school, but who cares? Looking for a bizarre stat to uh, maybe invest in this one. Tom Brady has played in nine Super Bowls in his days in New England. The total number of points scored by Brady in the first quarter of those nine games, three. That's right. One game, Brady got three points in the first quarter, and the other eight... He was shut out in the first quarter. So don't do uh don't count on a shootout early in this game. It might be a good first quarter under number to look at. But one rule of thumb, especially for the Super Bowl, because these are some tight lines, because the desert, like we said earlier, they don't make mistakes in this game. The Nevada Gaming Control began tracking betting on the Super Bowl in nineteen ninety one. This is per ESPN. And since then, sports books have suffered a net loss. In the Super Bowl out in Nevada, only twice. 1995, Chargers and the 49ers, when the Niners were a huge favorite and covered. And 2008, when the Patriots were undefeated and lost to the Giants. In other words, our friends out in the desert have gone 28-2 against the spread in the last 30 years of the Super Bowl. Yeah, in other words, don't bet against our friends in the desert as of this morning. Kansas City has 62% of the tickets and 70% of the money wagered on this game. So if you think you can uh, maybe fade the public, like it's been beneficial to be doing 28 out of 30 times, Tampa Bay might be the play for you in this one. Also, 
total in this game is 56, 56 and a half. Make sure to check the winds in this one because the forecast says the wind might play a big factor in this one. Some high winds that we'd always know. Temperature doesn't matter to the NFL games as much as winds do. So if you see a wind of maybe 10 miles an hour or higher, look to take the under. So as of this moment, I'm leaning to take Tampa Bay getting the points and under the 56. If the game were played right now, but a lot can change between now and next week. And on this show next week, we'll have our Super Bowl preview with our picks on the game, our favorite props, and we might even have a special guest join us to talk about the game. We'll look out for that. But our Mac Daddy Stogie picks carry on, even without the NFL. There's two college basketball games among ranked teams today. Michigan State, a 7.5-point underdog to Ohio State. No way that line would be this high if this game was played a month ago. But Michigan State has had two big issues, one with the COVID, two, they're not that good. And we've been preaching on this show all season, actually, that they're a bit of a fraud, and they'll be playing, they'll be payback by not going with Michigan State soon. Don't think it'll be today, though. Ohio State wins. That's a big number. I don't think I'd touch that one. But a game we will touch today. SMU is getting 11 points at Houston. Wait as long as you can to take this one because everybody is on Houston right now. It's it's almost as if Phi Slamma Jamma has come back. Akeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, all those guys, they're back. Houston's been great this season. 14-1 straight up, 11-4 against the spread, and they're fifth in the Ken Pomeroy ratings right now. Can't go against them, right? Well, SMU, they haven't been bad themselves. They're 9-3, and three, but they're not good against the spread. So they've been good, but they haven't been good against the spread. So the expectations for them are high. Our friends out in the desert think that they're a good team. That's what that tells you. SMU 52nd in the Ken Palm ratings. Our trend for this game, unranked road conference dogs against a ranked opponent, and that ranked opponent is getting the majority of the public money, and you're a double-digit dog like SMU is today, that hits 56.8% of the time in the last 15 years, 398 up, 303 down. Ken Pomeroy says Houston wins this game by 10. We'll take SMU in the 11. Eric Dickerson ain't walking through that door. Craig James ain't walking through that door. Not even John Conkak is walking through that door. SMU gets you the money today, and that's your Mac Daddy Stogie for the day. Take SMU, the Mustangs, over Houston Five Slamma Jamma down in the heart of Texas. Coming up after the break, we'll preview the rest of the day on ESPN Radio. But first, Clark's Auto Service, my cars, I have a fleet of cars. You can the term fleet very loosely. But they have worked on all my cars, and they're all running like dreams. And I told you last week we had a blizzard, and I had to turn my heat off because they fixed my heat back before the winter started. And I had to turn the heat off during a blizzard because it got so hot in there. Clark's Auto Service, the best in the business. Bill Clark, Ethan Hall, all our friends out there. Make sure to check them out online, ClarksAutoLexington.com. That's ClarksAutoLexington.com. More bottom line coming up right after the break, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Our thanks to Sean C. for putting nothing but Van Halen music into the board for this uh, for my show today. I appreciate it. We still have to have that conference, though, Sean C. Uh, we got, you know... My good friend Angelo is wondering, where's the Pet Shop Boys? Because I, you know, I know Angelo Carriero. When you think Pet Shop Boys, you think Angelo Carriero. <laughs> we thank you for joining us here on uh, the bottom line this morning with uh, Brad Taylor. Don't forget, 
Tuesday, March 16th, the powers that be here at uh, ESPN Radio have given us a bracketology spectacular. John Clay of the Lexington Herald Leader will join me, Brad Taylor, for a bracket preview. And we'll talk about who to take your brackets, and I'll talk about who to take out in the desert. Documented now, John Clay and I did this two years ago. John Clay took Texas Tech to make the Final Four. And we had Michigan State over Duke to make the Final Four and Virginia winning it all. So if you had combined our two brackets, nobody ever would have beaten you. So there, that's what you're coming in for. Our bracketology, the bottom line, bracketology spectacular. That's the official name of it. With John Clay, the Lexington Herald leader, and me, Brad Taylor, the bottom line. That'll be Tuesday, March 16th. And uh, we look forward to that one as we're the home of the NCAA tournament here on ESPN Radio, 1392.5. Coming up today on ESPN Radio at 1245... Michigan State uh, takes on Ohio State. Ohio State is seven and a half point favorite. Uh, water pistol of the ear hole. You got to take Michigan State getting those points, but that's a game I'll stay away from. Make sure to stay tuned. Our good friend Angelo Carriero. He's coming up at the top of the hour for the Angelo Show Sports Talk, like uh, only he can do it here on ESPN Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us online at Bottom Line Lex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.